Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. One of my favorite topics, I guess just the way God wired me, is talking about vision. I love, have always loved, and I told the ladies, ladies, I love being with y'all yesterday at that luncheon. Thank you for that. But I told the ladies yesterday, I don't know, I must have been late 20s, 28, 29, and I sat at our home church, and I was very saved on a college campus, got very saved, never looked back, never want to, no need to. I'm full on Jesus. And, um, but I came to our church, and I sat and heard our pastor, and she said, you know, you have been called for such a time as this, quoting Esther 4.14. She said, you have a divine destiny. And I remember sitting in that pew and I thought, that's what this is. I never knew what it was called, but I always knew I had this thing on me. A good thing, I just didn't know how to identify it. So we're going to use the words vision today, but it would be the same thing as a call or a destiny. And do you know, you don't have to stand behind a pulpit like the pastors are like, I'm a traveling, whatever I am, I'm a pastor, teacher, whatever you want to call me, I'll answer, just call me. And... You don't have to stand behind one of these. You all, we all have a divine destiny, a divine call. There's something on us. If we're born again, in the Greek, born from above, that God's got his, I like to say, his thumb on. Or like for Paul, he had, Spurgeon says, God had his hand on his shoulder when he apprehended him. He apprehended Paul. He apprehended us, folks. So I want to help today. Having a vision for your life. Having a vision, especially in the new year. Isn't it fresh when we get to say, man, January 2016, okay, the past is past. Present is present. I got a whole future ahead of me. Thank God for the blood of Christ. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter what you've done. It's covered. It's such good news. I've had someone say to me, that's too good to be true. I said, you got it. It's too good to be true but it's true. You know, look at our example. The Lord um, spoke to us early this morning. Israel fell how many times? God, God said, I have my thumb, my hands on Israel. My hands, put your hand on your heart right now. Say, God's hand is on me right now. God, go ahead. God has a vision from my life. Let's get into it. Let's start digging. You'll see in the book of Acts chapter 29, I won't even like Pastor Zach, I won't take time to read it, but I encourage you to do so. You'll see Paul, he's being brought in to King Agrippa. They're wanting to kill him because he was preaching Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is God, which he is. Jesus is the Christ. He was given the account. He died. He rose. And so Paul's being brought into Agrippa on a death sentence. He's saying, Agrippa. You'll see in verse 16, he says, he says, God appeared to me, King Agrippa. He said to me, I've appeared to you, Paul, for this purpose. Right there, we see it right away. 
God immediately says to Paul, hey, Paul, on that road to Damascus, I appeared to you for purpose. See? So here's, here's Paul talking to Agrippa. Agrippa, man, I, I'm telling you, I was on this road to Damascus, and God apprehended me and said, I've appeared to you for purpose. Same with all of you if you know Jesus Christ. We go on in verse 18. He even he starts to identify the purpose. Paul, you're going to open the eyes of the Gentiles. Paul starts getting his assignment. Whoa. All right. I'm going to be opening the eyes of the Gentiles. Verse 19. Now we have Paul talking. Wherefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to that heavenly vision. King Agrippa is saying, but Paul saying to, to Agrippa, I'm simply doing what I saw from heaven. There's a reason I'm introducing with that, and I'm going to get into it. I have ten bullets. Ten bullets is the best way I can describe them to show you your God-given vision. We're taking it from the life of Paul. So vision, assignment, destiny, words used interchangeably. Vision is what God speaks to your heart, not just your mind. So I want to even delineate. There are times where I'll have a good idea. I'll have a, uh, you know, what I think might be a vision, but I'm going to show you how to get that even twiddled down, narrowed down to it being a God vision, how you can really know. Amen? Amen. Number one. Got 10 of them. How do I know if it's a God-given vision for my life? Number one, it will be from God. Now, don't laugh. Hang on. <laughs> Acts 26, 13. Look at Paul. Look at our example. It was midday, O king, and along the road I saw a light from heaven. Outside of Paul's doing. Paul didn't conjure up a good idea. He's minding his own business, and heaven came down and spoke and said, I want you. A God-given vision comes from God. Okay? It creates a mission from heaven. I've got a quote. I used to read Tommy Barnett a lot. I haven't in a long time, but I pulled his quotes from over the years. He says, a clue that your vision is from God is you can't ignore it for very long. It burns on the inside of you. He calls it, I love this phrase, a bothersome thing. You can't shake it. It's make, Rich Mullins used to sing this song. I'm not making it, it is making me. The gospel, a God vision's making you. You're not, a, you can't fabricate it. You can't, you can get an idea, but it comes from him, from heaven, and he deposits it into your heart. Tommy Barnett says, it keeps bobbing to the surface of your heart, clamoring for your mind's attentions. It contains your spiritual DNA, God's vision. It contains a blueprint for your life. That's why folks, especially the young people, and I've done it, chief right here, it's dangerous to compare yourself. It's dangerous to get caught up in that trap. It's okay, in my opinion, to admire and look up to and say, oh, is that how they did that? You've got to divide that line, though. To, if God didn't speak to your heart, where's the vision come? From God. If he didn't show you that's the way you're to do it, 
Hear from God for you on how yeah. you're to do it. Yeah. Amen. It'll save you a lot of headache, a lot of jealousy, a lot of weird stuff out there. So number one, it comes from God. Number two, a God-given vision is much bigger than you. You'll need God's help to complete it. Acts 26, 22. Therefore, having obtained help from God, Paul says, to this day I stand. If you are able to trim back the vision and make it manageable, chances are that vision came from you. God's vision is so much bigger than you. You need God to help complete it. We got, we got some goods that are from God, but we ain't got all the goods. You got to press heaven and say, God, if, that's right. If you don't come through, then I'm, not, I'm done. I don't, I don't do it. Amen? Another Tommy Barnett quote. Your dream should be so big that it takes your breath away. Makes you temper. I, I feel Pastor Zach and Heather are laughing in their inner man. I feel their spirits are laughing. Yeah, I can hear them say. Makes you temporarily weak in the knees and makes you cry out to God for help. You know, because we've been on those front lines of, God, this is a lot bigger than me. Help. <laughs> it's okay. That means you're not doing it in your own flesh. That will only burn in the end. You're saying, Almighty God, do you think Paul could have witnessed and written two-thirds of the New Testament in his own strength? I don't think so. Not at all. So number one, it's from God. Number two, a God-given vision is bigger than you. I've got ten of them. Number three, a God-given vision will stop you from going the wrong way. This is such rich stuff. Verse 16, let's remember in Acts, Paul I appeared to you for this purpose. Turned Paul from going the wrong way. You want to seek God and then say, God, show me the steps. Show me your path. Remember Jeremiah? Jeremiah, I have these borders for you. This is assignment for you. God-given vision stops you from going the wrong way. Amen? Number four, and I've got a few ways to help bring it to pass, mean, meaning how to implement. A God-given vision will bring clarity to your life. Your life begins to make sense when you start having a vision from God. Because you start discovering, wait a minute, no wonder I enjoy that, but Betty Sue and Bobby Joe, they don't. This came from God to me. I'm getting clarity on why I have that gift or why maybe they have that gift and I don't, but I, this is what I got. It's bringing clarity. This also then helps if you've had the bummers. You really can take Romans 8, 28 and say, you know what? It's all right. I'm getting clarity on who I am in God and what I got to do on the earth. All things are working together for my good. It's such a motivator when you get a God-given vision for your life. You're able to take all the whatever, 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 roll it in a ball and say, take it, God. Make beauty out of my ash heap. You get clarity. 
God-given vision in whatever endeavor, you start getting it, things, the, the gray sky's clear. Amen? Talking about a God-given vision. You know, you think about Paul. He's just coming to me. He was Saul killing people. Talk about getting clarity. No wonder the fire, he had fire in him. He had passion in him, misdirected. But a God-given vision dropped in him. And God used that passion, redirects him, brings clarity to his life. He had writing skills he probably didn't even realize he had until he sat there in a prison cell. Thank you, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good. And thought, this is what I was destined to do for God. God-given vision. It will be so beyond you. You know, you think about Paul now, don't let this be a bummer. He sees us now, but you think he knew, sitting in a jail cell, that in 2016, I'd be preaching him? <laughs> you might be doing a great work. You might not get a full reward, meaning the verbal and the pat on the back until heaven. I don't know. Die to all that. Jesus, it's whatever you say. I'm here for you. I'm an ambassador of the living God, period. That'll set you so free than worry about man's approval. That's a word for someone. Don't worry about man's approval. Seek God, seek God, seek God. Number five. I have to make sure, I want to make sure I don't go over there. A God-given vision will be a first-hand revelation. Not your dad. Not your mom, not even your pastors, no matter how awesome. When it's from God, it's dropped to you. Yeah. You think about Joseph and the greats that we admire in the Bible and David, and they tried to go to family. <laughs> you know, they're like, hey, I, I got this thing from heaven. Okay, now, number one, what? You got it, what? A God-given vision. It's firsthand to you. There are times you might have to keep that thing very precious and almost hidden. Be careful who you share with. Am I all right saying that? Until you have some strength that if someone steps on it, you're like, it's all right, man. I, I, it wasn't given to you anyway, meaning it, I get it that you don't understand it. I get it. You, don't, you see what I'm saying? You know, being a novice back in the day, I remember sharing some things and I remember them getting trampled on. And I remember crying and going, oh, no one gets it. I feel I'm called to do Anyway, part of the training. It was part of the training. It helped make me who I am. It helped, it helped me not to wear my feelings on my sleeves. Oh, poor Anna. It wasn't about Anna anyway. I was God and I had to enter the school of the Holy Ghost. I had to enter a training ground. I had to learn to suit up my armor. Amen. First-hand revelation. Number six. A God-given vision. I first when I wrote, I said, will cost you something. And then as I shared at the Apprehen conference, a God-given vision will cost you everything. But it's all right. What did Jesus say? You won't leave houses. You won't leave mother. You won't leave brother. You won't leave sister. You won't leave friends that I'm going to give you in this very time. 
a hundred times that. God-given vision. When you're putting it on the line for God, you don't think he sees? You don't think he knows the hurt and the tearing away that goes inside of you? I'm talking, no, I'm not just talking ministry. What if it's a God-given vision? You're standing in the gap for a loved one. You're laying your life down at 6 a.m. You're the one getting up, interceding, and praying for someone. You're believing for your marriage. No one else is. You might have had 50 other people cutting you down saying, leave the loser. I don't know. But there's something in you dropped from heaven that won't let you let go. Don't you let go. Only believe. A God-given vision is going to cost you, folks. My husband always says, if it were easy, everyone would do it. You need God to help you finish what God's put in your heart. What, did they, what happened to our people in the Bible? Noah. Ridicule. Build an ark. We talked about the ark yesterday. Build an ark. He heard something other people couldn't hear. He saw what other people couldn't see. He had to go somewhere in God to say, you know what, I understand you don't get it. I, I, you know what, do you, do you hear what I hear? Are you seeing what I see? A God-given vision is going to cost you something. Joseph, 13 years of persecution by his own brethren, his own blood. Behold, you dreamer. That was the thing they didn't like. They didn't like he had a vision. They didn't like that he wanted to go somewhere with his life. Maybe you're in here and you feel like, I had several women yesterday. I want to write. I want to do this. I want to rise up. Maybe when they walked out the door, they got tested. Maybe they went home and said, hey, I was at this little meeting, and man, I just feel like I got a revival in me to do something for God. And maybe someone took a foot and said, yeah, right. It's going to cost you, my friend. But God sees. God's on your side. If God before me. Pursuing a vision will test, stretch, and at times exhaust your faith. But it's okay. Pastor Zach said it earlier. The grain is going to the ground, and it's going to die. But if it's a God vision, it will resurrect with him, and flesh will be gone. That's what Pastor Zach had alluded to the flesh. See, a God-given vision is so above us that our flesh has to get out of the way. And sometimes through those tough times where it costs you everything, your idea, but this is how I thought if I, I thought if I got up at six o'clock every day and I thought if I, if I, if I, notice the, if I, if I, if I, and God is like, man, I, I get it, but I got something above and beyond that. My thoughts are higher. My ways are higher. Not that he doesn't love that you got up at six o'clock to make your effort and you took your step. It's gonna cost you something It'll test you, it'll stretch you, but there's fruit in the end. There's fruit. Number seven, a God-given vision, with all that said, is full of peace. Paul says in Acts 26, 29, Agrippa, I would to God that not only you, but also all who are hearing me today might become Almost and all together, as I am, look up here, he says, 
uh, except for these chains. <laughs> he's in front of King Agrippa, talking about his life. He's being threatened to be killed. He's in chains. What does he say? Agrippa, up here in chains. Man, I wish everyone could be like I am. Why? I'm so full of peace. I'm in the middle of God's vision for my life in chains. My inner man's never been happier. Yeah. A God vision is so full of peace. If your peace is getting disrupted, something's wrong. Yeah. You've gotten off. Well, how do I know? I've done it so many times I'm embarrassed. I'm finally getting it. Hannah Whittle Smith says, don't ignore those proddings from the Holy Ghost when he's warning you. You ever, you ever, you ever, she calls it pushing. Paul called it pushing against, uh, Jesus said, Paul, you're pushing against the goads. It, you know, a goad was an apparatus that they used for sheep and it had a very sharp point. You want to stand up, sister, for me real fast? And what would happen, this is my goad, for a shepherd to get those sheep right, he would take the point and he'd start poking at him and that sheep would feel the sharp point and he would go away that shepherd's saying and Jesus says to Paul you're kicking against the goad I'm on you Paul and you're ignoring me so I'm gonna knock you down a few <laughs> I'm sorry to say thank you those goads are for your protection when the Holy Ghost says quit pushing that quit pushing that that's wrong it's not the direction don't ignore it it should be full of peace when it's God's vision because it comes from God he speaks to your inner man he's not worried about all this amen okay good couple more on that three more number eight a God-given vision who requires faith and faithfulness fruit of the spirit is faithfulness Faith is kicking out only belief, kicking it out, man. We're ready. We're, we're with God. Faith needs to turn into faithfulness as time goes on. A God-given vision. You're doing what's right when no one sees but God. Trust comes into play. No one's patting you on the back like I said earlier. You and God are in the faith zone together. And he's watching, boy, I'm getting a word. This is for someone else. He's watching that your step of faith will turn into a fruit of the Spirit called faithfulness. Will you continue? You tell Pastor Heather, I'm going to be at the children's thing. I'm going to watch those kids on Mondays, whatever. Da, da, da. She gets there and no show. Not faithfulness hasn't kicked in. You're a person of your word. These are things you might say, well, what's that have to do? You know, I just, I just want the Spirit of God. Well, the Spirit of God's powerful, but the pastors will tell you, Spirit of God will work in line with the Word of God, and faithfulness is very important. Yeah. It's part of your character coming through. So that the vision that God wants, He can entrust you with it. If you can't do things like honor your own word, how are you going to be in trusted with a vision from heaven carry that out because you're ministering and affecting people how can you be trusted with it I'm kind of digging I know I'm going I've been known to go kind of digging in there <laughs> your pastor gave me permission to dig 
there's a day in and a day out and a week in and a week out and a month in and a month out and a year in and a year out. And the enemy would have you think, there ain't nothing happening. You look like a fool. Uh-uh. Oh, no. Something big is happening. Everything you do is a seed. Every time you obey your watering seed, steps, seasons, stages, all going toward a goal of the God-given vision. Stay in that faith zone. Stay in only believe zone. Stay with your pastor. Stay with your church. Get in your small group. Stay built up. Get in worship. You know, Pastor Zach mentioned your small groups, and uh, I won't get off too much, but I'm a big advocate of the small group. It was in the small groups at our church that I started really learning almost, I mean, everything as far as how to walk the walk. And I learned how to release the gifts of the Spirit in that group. And I learned about fellowship. And I learned about being faithful to my word. If I said I'm bringing a macaroni casserole, I had to bring a macaroni casserole. I couldn't call up when they were depending on my macaroni casserole because I hate to cook. I couldn't say, you know what, didn't get, didn't get to it today. Bring, have someone else. No, I had to learn faithfulness. I had to learn someone was counting on me. You see, I love those small groups. That's where a lot comes out in those small groups. I, I'm a big proponent of that. Number nine, a God-given vision will help strengthen you when the times get tough. Hebrews 12, 2, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. A God-given vision, keeping your eyes on Christ and what he's called you to do, strengthens you when all hell's breaking loose around you. You go back to your bearings and your, the foundations and you say, you know what? I get it. I know that's happening. I know that's happening. I know that's happening. This is one thing I know. I got Jesus. I'm doing my best to fulfill the call. Think about your people in the Bible. Think about Paul. God called him to open the eyes of the Gentiles. You know the things that happened to Paul. From being shipwrecked to, think about it. He could have gotten off very easily. He had, you know, he repeated his testimony. How many times? Like three and four times in the New Testament alone. This is what I know. I was on a road to Damascus, and I got knocked off my high horse, and I was once blind, and God, now I see. It'll strengthen you in the tough times, because tough times will come. The sower went to sow the word. The seed fell on certain soil, didn't it? Four different types of heart. But there was a type of a heart where the seed fell. And oh, the person received the word with joy. Yippee! But when the trials and tests came, the enemy was able to steal the truth out of that person's heart because there was no root. Stay with it long enough to get rooted. So that when the tests and trials come, you can say, I get it. I know that's happening. I know that's happening. But you know what? I got something from God. And I'm getting rooted in it. And nothing's going to pull it out. Amen. One more, and I'll give you some quick little ways to implement. A God-given vision is ultimately not for you. <laughs> Though you'll be so fulfilled by it, you'll feel God's pleasure when you're in it. But it won't be self-serving. 
and it won't be centered on self. Though you're the one God's chosen to implement the plan. But as you grow and mature in Christ, and again, it might not just be ministry. Maybe you're the one standing for your marriage. God might broaden your understanding to make you realize, yes, it's for you and your marriage. Yes, it's for you and the kids watching. But he might say to you, it's for my kingdom. So people can see what a true marriage looks like for my kingdom. You're needed so badly. Whatever sphere of influence you're in. But a God-given vision ultimately isn't even for just you. It's leaving that legacy for other people around you to see. So someone else can say, you know what? They went through you know what and back for a decade. But look at them today. Or they lost all their money. But look at them today. There's much at stake in your life. Your life is so valuable to God. Not just what you can do for him. Of course, you know that. You know he loves you first and foremost as a son and a daughter. But then it goes to where he says, I apprehended you for this reason. For this vision that I have. This assignment that I've wired and encoded in you, Diane, that only Diane can do. I'm not doing what Diane's doing. I don't know what she's doing in her life. But the point, she's not doing what I'm doing. She's encoded for a purpose for her life. She will answer to God for her life. Good? You guys good? Real quickly, I'll go fast on this. I got about five more minutes maybe. How do you implement this? How do you, how do you start? Very, very simple. It's not rocket science. How will he unfold it? To me, I shared with the women, I call I have my IV drip every morning. Psalm 4610, be still. Just be still and know that he is God. I put, an, I, I put a Holy Ghost IV drip in me every morning, and I say, what would you have? Good morning, God, what would you have us to do today? Whatever lingo, however you want to do it. How will God implement it? Not without you spending quiet time with him. First and foremost, comes out of relationship. Think about a marriage. Think about a marriage. You spent time together, intimacy, growing, learning each other. Fruit starts to produce out of the two of you. You start saying, whoa, we can expand now. We know each other. We get it. You're spending time with the Father. He can then start those inner desires, which I'll get to that point in just a second, are very important to God because he dropped them in you. But first and foremost, how to implement it, you spend time with God, get alone with God, saturate your mind, saturate your heart with that Bible. I love that this is a Bible church. It's Bible and the Spirit of God. What a combination. Two sticks of dynamite. Pray, worship. John Piper quote, do not neglect passionate, Christ-exalting corporate worship. Pastor Grace and her husband Joe, who I was privileged to meet when they came into the New Orleans area, fabulous worship today. Fabulous worship. And my husband was watching as Grace is due on Thursday, and she's jumping up and down more than any of us. And Mike's, I looked, it was like we were reading each other's mind. I said, Mike, he said, I know, she's due. I, I mean, that baby, 
And I said to Pastor Heather, I said, Grace is due Thursday. She says, I know, she's going for it. <laughs> Worshipful family right there, boy. Christ exalting corporate worship. Talking about how to implement by yourself with God. And then you get into a place like this. The word of God came forth already a bunch today. Why? We're exalting God. We're saying, we want you. <laughs> we want you to speak to our hearts. We surrender our agendas. Bring us you. Yes. Boy, I feel God in this place. <sighs> I want to thank you for that. Side note, it's so fun to preach when a people's hungry and they're saying, go for it. Because a lot of times I do mixed denominations and I'm rototilling that ground, baby. <laughs> it's so nice to be here and I feel your heart, man. I feel it. John Piper says, the most important missionary calling that ever happened took place in corporate worship. Grace. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I've called for them to do. That's Acts 13 too. So you're leading us in worship. Thank you. It's opening us up. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's allowing God to say, hey, hey, Pastor Zach, hey, Pastor Heather, during worship. It's powerful. It's really just coming to me. You, you lead a powerful mantle. Number two, these are just ways, you know, getting along with God, worshiping, that kind of that same thing. Number two, Sanctified desires. Sanctify means set apart. Something that's set apart. Look at those when those are in you. Now again, not every, you, have you ever done this? You might have something that's so precious like an egg that if you drop it, it'll crack. You might have some secret petitions that be careful who you talk to because it, it can, especially when you're in the infant stage of it, it can hurt a little bit if someone says, oh, yeah, okay, great, praise the Lord, glad you, glad you want to do that. And you're like, oh, God, it took me 20 weeks to even be able to talk about it, you know. Yeah. But how does God implement it? Desires in your heart, sanctified, they're set apart between you and God. Don't ignore them. Really take them to stock. Really say, really, God, is, you think God, go to God with it. Talk to him. God, you think then you go to people you respect and trust. You go to your pastors. You go to your small group leader, whoever they've assigned. You go to your spouse. You say, man, this is what I, what do you, what do you think here? God's implementing. Those are all steps and seasons and stages that that baby is kind of, kind of getting ready to come out a little bit. Like you actually start going, I think this might be God. Number three. Gifts and talents. First Peter 4, 10 and 11. As each of you have received a gift, a particular spiritual talent, a gracious divine endowment, amplified, use it for one another. This is where those small groups came in for me. I thought, what a better place. And I would ask my cell group leader. I'd say, you know, I feel led to, they'd say, go for it. And I had that freedom in my small group to express myself. I keep wondering if I've told pastors this. That's how important that was for me back in the day. Because I was a newbie. I was like, man, but I sensed these stirrings. I needed to, couldn't do it in the main sanctuary. I wasn't there yet. But I, had to, I wanted to express what God was doing. Gifts and talents. 
How does God implement? Get alone with him, pray, corporate worship, sanctified desires or something brewing in your heart. You got gifts and talents. Number four, and this is something I really, really strong with, with when girls uh, or guys come up to me or I do it in my Bethesda classes, write it down. I find notes. We relocated. Forgive me. Forgive me. We relocated our house recently, like within two weeks, and I found old notes that I had written things down years ago. See, my, the Habakkuk, that vision was, was stirring in me. The egg, the, the baby was forming in me, and I would write it down. Here's a principle, though, that I want you to have. You move towards what you see. You move towards what you see. Think about God with Ezekiel. What do you see? Uh, Lord, I see, I see some bone. What do you see, Ezekiel? Do you see what I see? You move toward what you see. Write it down. Hey, man, if you're off, it's between you and God. You're, look, you're writing some things down. You're incubating. You're, you know, you're like, oh, this is what I said. Habakkuk. I'm going to climb so that I can see what God would say to me. Habakkuk, write that vision down. I'm going to speak to you. I always, I do, for me personally. Now we have computers, and now I even use my phone a lot. But the old-fashioned, I'm old school in many ways. I keep this, and I keep my papers or napkins or something beside me, and I'm jotting down all the time. Write it down. Writing it down brings it from the supernatural to the natural. It's God speaking, and you're like, I, I, I'm, he's speaking, you're getting it. Oh, God, what is that? All mornings when I'm in my quiet time, like my kid, though life, I have stuff lying all around me of things that I've seen or thought or heard that I've written down, or I, now I print stuff out. I do, for me personally, I have you know, the notes thing on your phones. I sit there and start typing on my phone in the notes category, and I print that thing out. And I keep it dear to my heart. I have folders in our office, and I'm like, don't touch this one, guys. When we were moving, I had certain things. I thought, don't touch that one. Uh, that's not, that, that'll break. I'm not there yet. It's, I'm incubating. It'll, it'll break, but I got to keep it. I got to keep it in my quiet time with me. Amen? Talking about how to implement, and we're coming to a close. Number five, step out. I told the women yesterday, start moving. Do something. Look at your planner for 2015. Are you in gear at all? I know we just started the year. Are you in gear with anything you might have written down for 2015? Are you in gear? Are you in the zone? Are you saying, God, I so believe that this is something I'm to do. I so believe that it comes from heaven. I so believe that you did give it to me to do. I'm going to take a... He confirms with signs and wonders. Could be an open door. Could be an apology. Could be money that you hadn't anticipated. Maybe you aren't a tither like Pastor Zach said. Boy, I don't even have time. I would go into that. Whoo! And you decided, God said, you need to start doing that, man. That's biblical economics for your back. You said, all right. 
Signs and wonders follow those who believe. God, this is what I sense in your word. A vision drops from heaven. I got a way for you to get out of that financial trash. Start giving. You start do 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 do. Someone comes up to me, comes up to you, and they just so happen to say, hey, I feel blessed. I think I want to give this to you. Already a sign and wonder happened. God's honoring his word. See, it's a vision that came from heaven, and you took a... How to implement. Number six, move with the lamb. Pastor Heather was singing it yesterday. There are ebbs and flows, I find, in the walk. Ebbs and flows. I talked about it earlier. Obey the cues of the Holy Ghost. He knows what is around your corner. When you're trying to push past it, but I wanted it in this month, and it had to be this month. Ooh. You best be ebbing because you ain't flowing. <laughs> Ebb and flow. Move with the lamb. He knows what's around the corner. You don't. And I got one more. Trust and obey. Grace could probably sing that song for us. For there's no better way. Doesn't matter if you're behind a pulpit. Doesn't matter if you're at home with five kids. Doesn't matter if you're with... It, none of it matters. There's a place for you. Martin Luther said, how can you think you're not called? He even quoted, I, I, didn't, I won't read the whole thing, but he says, my gosh, the marketplaces, we have schools, homes. What's the center right near this church? The hope... Yeah, it's a detention center. They're running a food bank now. The kitchens, the workplaces, your marriage, your families, we need you in the kingdom. Having a God vision for your life versus just a good idea. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.